I'm just going to dive right in. The reason that we titled this series Zombies is because what we're going to be doing all throughout this series is we're going to be talking about distraction. Um, I don't know if you realize this or not, but um, the world has changed significantly within the past 10 years. Um, 10 years ago, the first iPhone was actually invented and released to the public. I've got, I brought a picture with me. How many of you guys have one of these in your pocket? Anybody have an iPhone with you? Or let me just say this, a smartphone. How many of you guys have a smartphone? If you have an iPhone, you're probably going to heaven. If you have an Android, well, you're probably going to a place where cats go. I don't know. Could be possible. Um, but the, 10 years ago, Steve Jobs and Apple released the first iPhone, and it significantly changed our world. I don't know if you remember phones before the iPhone, but your phone had like this third kind of party internet. It wasn't the real internet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You would like try to surf, but you couldn't really do it. And the only good thing that a phone was good for was playing Snake. That was pretty much it. Um, but when, when, when Steve Jobs first released the first iPhone, I remember I was one of the nerds. I love technology. I was one of the nerds that watched him first release it. I remember sitting at my MacBook going, this is amazing. And he's like, at the end, he's like, and it's $600. And I was like, I will gladly give you $600 to buy that piece of technology. Now, why were we so excited about giving $600 for a phone like this? Because most likely your phone looks something like this, <laughs> Right? <laughs> Your phone looked like this. Before the iPhone came out, before the smartphone, your phone could do nothing. It was good for two things. Well, actually one thing, calling, and it was terrible for texting. Anybody remember T9 texting? Like where you had to push the button like three times just to hit one letter. So when this phone came out and you're looking what you have in your lap, you're going, I will gladly switch. I will gladly give you the $600 because why? Your phone did not navigate you. Um, anybody remember something called MapQuest? When you actually, like if you wanted to get somewhere, you actually had to stop at the gas station and buy a map, or you had to print out directions and thank, and you would pray to God that you didn't print out the wrong directions, right? If you didn't know where you were, that your phone didn't navigate you. On this Nokia phone, the only good thing about it was that the battery life lasted for about three years and one charge. <laughs> that, was, that was about it. Um, but you couldn't do anything on it. You could do nothing on it. No maps, no map quests, no texting, no camera, no video, nothing. The sad part though today is with just in a short amount of time, just in 10 years, this device has literally changed our culture. It's changed the way that we communicate. It's changed the way that we interact with one another. It's changed the way that we do absolutely everything. Most of us could not get around without this thing. This smartphone has become like an appendage. It is like a body part. Like we cannot leave phone, our home without it. How many of you feel naked if you forget your phone when you go somewhere? You're like, oh my God, I forgot my phone. You're like a crack addict that has to go back to your house and get the phone, right? You feel like you can't leave home without it. It's become a part of you. Anybody have ever have that moment where you have that smartphone and all of a sudden you're talking, you're texting, you're taking a video, you're, you're maybe taking a picture and all of a sudden like you lose grip with your phone and you see it falling. And like in slow motion, you say a prayer to the phone gods and you're like, please do not crack my screen, right? We, we have become so attached to this 
device, it's crazy. And what's crazy is it's only been around for 10 years. Here's what's even crazier. Most of you cannot even think about life without this device. Your children will never know life without this device. Think about that for a second. We're growing up, your kids are growing up in the first generation where technology is handed to them. I I have a two-year-old that knows how to open an iPad. That is insane. I remember um, 10 years ago when the iPad opened, I I gave one to, to my parents and my dad was like, what do I do with this? Like, this is just like a fancy piece of technology. I don't know what to do. And now we have three-year-olds who can get around. They can surf the internet. They can watch YouTube kids. They can play apps. They can play games. They can do all these things. The truth is, this device holds some serious power. Um, And the truth is, it holds power that is so strong that oftentimes it's stronger than your will to say no. It's stronger than your will to say no. This device has changed everything. Um, distraction has become something that we have just become familiar with. It's become something that we have become used to. We, no longer do we sit down at restaurants and have face-to-face conversations. We talk in part. It'll, it will we'll scroll on Facebook and you say, hey, did you see what so-and-so posted? Or, hey, did you see what so-and-so posted? And rather than living in the here and now and living our life right now, a lot of us are living vicariously through this device. So what I want to talk about throughout this series is how do we live in a culture like this that is rapidly changing? How do we pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus when when we have all the best intentions? We, We want to pursue God. We want to do the right thing. We want to live our life a particular way, but it just seems like we keep getting distraction, distracted, and distraction comes so easily now with this device. How many of you ever found yourself in line, maybe at McDonald's or something? And uh, you see this long line, and you walk into McDonald's, and you realize, okay, I'm going to have to wait for about two, three minutes until I can order my food. So what do you do? Rather than, like, looking at somebody in the eye, rather than sparking up conversation, what do you do? You reach for your phone. Now, in this moment, um, you you have no idea what you're going to do on your phone. You have no intentions. You don't know if you're going to get on Facebook. You don't know if you're going to text somebody. You don't know if you're going to call somebody. You don't know if you're going to research something online. You're just pulling the phone out. Why? Why are we doing it? We have no idea. We're just saying, man, I don't want to be bored for a single moment, so I need to distract myself with something. How many of you guys are ever guilty of that? I mean, I'm raising both hands here. See, we, we live in a culture today that says, I cannot be bored. I hate to just sit and be, like, just sitting and doing nothing. I can't do that. So we wait in lines, and rather than having conversation, rather than, you know, talking with people, rather than relating with other people, or rather than doing this, just being a human, <laughs> standing for a moment, twiddling our thumbs, and just being normal, what do we do? We go, I, I can't do that. I don't like that feeling of nothingness. So we pull out our phone, and we distract ourselves. We don't like to be bored. We, we see this all over the place. Now we see, um, you see the tragic scene in a restaurant where you go and you, uh, maybe you're eating a meal and you see a couple, they don't know what to talk about, so they're sitting down and they're having a date night, but they're really just on their phone, right? They're, they're staring at the phone. They're not looking at each other. We have lost face-to-face communication, eye contact with other people because we have become so distracted. I think if we could rewrite Psalms 23, it would say something like, my phone is my shepherd, I shall not want. (laughs) 
My phone guides me, it leads me, it helps me, it strengthens me. I don't know if you know this, but the smartphone is actually affecting attention spans. Um, Psychologists have been doing research on this for the past few years now, and they say that the attention span is getting lower and lower and lower and lower because of the smartphone. So the question that I want to answer today is why? Why do we keep going back to this device? Why do we feel like we have to distract ourselves over and over and over again? Is there really something deeper or is it, just, is it just technology's problem? Is technology just so captivating that we feel like we just can't get enough of it? Or is there something deeper really going on in our souls where we feel like we have to continually distract ourselves because we don't want to deal with what's internally going on really in our hearts? I don't know if you realize this today, but one of the reasons that I titled this series Zombies is because I feel like that's what a lot of us look like. That's what a lot of us look like. How many of you have seen this classic scene in Walmart or when people walk into public, you see this? How many of you do this? <laughs> or maybe the classic one. Let's see if I can imitate this. You're driving your car and you got the phone on the lap. And you think if it's below the line of sight, nobody, nobody notices you're on the phone. Like we all notice you're driving like a crazy man, right? Why do we do this over and over? Why do we do this? Why do we walk like this? Why do we drive and try to send an emoji? Why do we do all these things? I found a a brilliant answer, um, and we're going to dive into scripture in just a moment, but I don't know if you realize this about comedians, but comedians have this incredible insight of just calling it what it is sometimes. How many of you ever heard that phrase, like, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's funny because it's what? Because it's true. It's funny because it's true. Uh, there's a comedian by the name of Louis C.K. I brought a picture of him if you've never seen him before. Um, and Louis was on the uh, Conan O'Brien show, and they're having this conversation back and forth with each other. And they're talking about why we feel the necessity to constantly be on our phones. And so what I want to do is throw up that first slide. We're going to walk through this conversation between Louis and Conan. And now, remember, this, this is a comedian. This is actually two comedians kind of conversating. And so when they're talking about it, it, it's funny, okay? But what I want you to understand is their conversation, it goes a whole lot deeper than we actually um, think it does. And a lot of times, I'm just going to read it here. So, so here's Louis C.K. He says, because underneath everything in your life, there's that thing. You know, that thing, that empty forever do you know what I'm talking about? And, and Conan's like laughingly kind of saying, yes, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. Here, go to the next slide. Now watch what he says. He says, just like that knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching anything or you're not on your phone, you're in your car and you start going, oh no, here it comes. <laughs> oh no, here it comes that feeling of being alone. Go to the next slide. And he says, it just starts to visit you, just this sadness. And he says, life is tremendously sad just by being in it. And so you're driving and you go and he starts mimicking like this texting. And that's why we text and drive. Now, now pause for a moment. What what is he saying before we go further on in the conversation? He says, man, you're driving in your car and all of a sudden it's just silence. There's no music on. There's no radio. And all of a sudden you're like, 
oh my gosh, I'm by myself. Like no one to talk to, nothing to think about. And that feeling of being alone begins to creep up on you. And that's why you text and drive. Says, oh, oh my gosh, I got it. Let me pull this out and send you know, a text message to 50 people and hope two of them respond and I can start a conversation. Right? Like that feeling of being alone, we hate it. Go to the next slide. Says, I look around and pretty much 100% of people are driving and texting and everybody is murdering each other with their car. And Conan's like, yes, yes. So next slide. And he says this, but people, listen to this, this is so profound. And remember, he's saying this in a funny way, but it's so profound. He says, but people are willing to take a risk in taking a life and ruining their own because they don't want to be alone for a second. They're willing to take a life, take a risk, and even ruin their own life because we don't want to be alone for a second. How many of you have ever been alone for just a second and all of a sudden you begin to ponder and think about life and it's incredibly sad at parts and you go, I don't like this, so what do we do? We pull out the phone. We distract ourselves because the moment we have this kind of intimate moment of thinking about what's really going on in our life, we hate it. We don't like it, and he's saying that's why we will risk our lives to send an emoji, like a a heart emoji to somebody, and we'll end up killing somebody because of the fact that we simply do not want to be alone. Now, let me get one thing clear here, and this is very important for you to understand. The phone did not create this issue. The phone did not create this issue. The phone is simply highlighting an issue that has always been there. It's a human nature issue. Ultimately, it's the fact that something inside of us is saying, I hate to be bored, and I don't want to be alone, and there's something about my life that is incredibly sad, and I don't want to think about it. So distraction becomes something that we run to. Distraction becomes something that we go to because it distracts us from the reality of our lives. And the phone simply offers a better way to escape our undealt with life. And this is why it's become so popular. This is why Facebook is so addicting. This is why Instagram is so addicting because it gives us an ability to escape our current life. It gives us the ability to say, you know what? I don't have to think about my life. I can just live vicariously through other people's and I don't have to think about the incredible sadness of my own life or the issues that I have going on in my own life. So I just need to distract myself. Let me ask you another question. How many of you guys have ever wanted that thing you know that shiny thing women when you see it go on sale you're like i need that <laughs> i want that or, or maybe the new phone comes out the apple 10x you're like i've got a, i got a perfectly good phone but i want that one it doesn't have a home button <laughs> it's amazing it's got this amazing camera and all of a sudden, you know that thing, everybody has that thing in their life that they want and, and they think if I can just get that thing that it's going to give me some kind of satisfaction. Maybe it's new shoes, maybe it's new clothes, maybe it's a new phone, maybe it's a new house, a new car, whatever it may be. You want it so bad because you're convinced that it's going to fulfill some kind of lack inside. But there's something crazy that happens when you actually get it. There's something odd. When you finally get that thing, you feel good for a moment, and then this sadness comes over you. 
this sadness, this loneliness comes over you. And instead of sitting in that sadness and evaluating why am I sad when I finally got the thing, we distract ourselves from feeling that sadness. Therefore, it's this thing that just cycles over and over and over. And what this is causing in us, and I'm I'm speaking to myself here, is it's distracting us from dealing with the real issues of life. I, I guarantee you this. Anxiety and depression, and we've done two series on it, but anxiety and depression most likely derives from distraction. Meaning that you have this, these, these issues that you need to deal with, but rather than dealing with them, you just keep distracting yourself with them. Therefore, you keep suppressing them because you keep distracting them, and you never deal with the issue. Therefore, anxiety and depression manifest itself. The truth is we've become people that hate to feel alone. We've become like zombies that would rather just walk around on our phones, constantly distracting ourselves, rather than dealing with the real issues of life. And I want you to think about something for a moment. As I shared earlier, this thing has only been around for 10 years. 10 years. I've talked about this briefly, uh, probably at least quite a few sermons in the past three years that we've been here. And the reason I wanted to do an entire series on this is because I, I find it in myself and I see it in everybody else. This is robbing our affection, one, for just intimacy with other people, And it's also robbing our affection in our relationships with Jesus. It's distracting us from the important things of life. Blaise Pascal, who was a French philosopher, mathematician, inventor, he was a super smart guy. And now keep in mind, this is 300 years before the smartphone. And I want you to watch what he says. He says, being unable to cure death, wretchedness, and misery, men have decided in order to be happy not to think about such things. In order to be happy, in order to be at peace, like what is he saying? He's saying, I know my life is a wreck and there's incredibly sad parts about it, but in order to be happy, I just need to block that out. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I just need to distract myself from the realities of life because the more and more that I think about that, ooh, I I don't want to go there. But if we're just being honest with ourselves, it's easier to distract than to think about our condition, isn't it? It's easier to distract. It's easier just to dive into a series on Netflix. It's easier just to dive in to the endless scrolling of Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever your social media of choice is. It's just easier to distract ourselves than actually deal with the real issues. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to walk you through some practical steps of why we never reach the place that we want to really be. How many of you would say, like, I have a place in life that I want to end up one day. I have something, a goal that I'm working towards, but I just, I have a hard time getting there. How many say, I have a purpose, I have a goal, I have somewhere that I want to be? Show of hands. Like, everybody in here wants their life to matter. Everybody has an ideal destination that they want to arrive at. Now, why do the majority of people never get there? Well, I want to walk you through some different things. And there's a psychologist, his name's Benjamin Bloom. And I was reading some things this week in preparation for this series. And he walks us through five steps of change, five different ways that people change. And I thought it was so perfect for this series. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through these these five things, show you some practical things and point you to scripture and hopefully get you to a place where we can learn, at least get underneath why we're distracting ourselves. So Josh, why don't you throw up that first slide? So there's five steps to change. So the first thing that he mentioned is awareness. 
Now, this is the point where you come to a place, you finally come, maybe you're sitting, this is the place that many of us will come today. So you go, okay, I'm aware that there's an emptiness inside of me. Now, you're not ready to change anything yet. You're not willing to be open about anything. You're not willing to have a conversation about this. You just come to the place where you go, okay, I'm aware that there is something wrong. Okay, I'm aware that there's something wrong. So he says, that's the first step of of change. Is you've got to come to a place where you begin to realize, okay, I have an issue. I'm aware of it. Now, throw up the next one. The second one that he says is this. He says, now, not only are you aware of it, you begin to think about it. You, you begin to ponder. This is the stage where you start to realize that the emptiness is an issue, so you get on the internet and you start researching solutions. You go, okay, maybe, I, maybe there is something wrong with me. There is something going on. So you start moving to the pondering phase. It begins to um, enter into your thoughts, and every day it's a thought that you start to think about. What am I going to do about this? Now, you're just aware of it. You're just pondering about it. You're not doing anything about it yet. You're aware of it, and now you're thinking about it. Now, watch the third step. Now, the third step, he says, you move from awareness to thinking about it, to pondering about it, to now you value it. Okay, now I move to the spot where I'm not just aware, I'm not just thinking about it, but now I got the bracelet on. (laughs) Meaning this, like, I'm signing up for the race now, but I'm probably not going to run, but I'm just going to tweet about it. Right? Like, so I am on the board for, like, raising awareness about, you know, breast cancer or whatever it is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wear the pink bracelet, but I'm not going to run. I'm not going to do anything to support it. I value it. Make sense? So you're on the train, like, for the march, for social justice, all this kind of stuff. You're just, you're not ready to put the work in yet. So he said, these are the first three steps. Now, now here's what happens. Throw up the next slide. He said, there is a gap between the next two steps. So most of us get to, okay, I'm aware that there's an emptiness. Now I start pondering. I start thinking about this emptiness in my soul. And now I I start to value it. So when you value it, what do you do? When you have your conversations with different friends, you're saying, man, I'm starting to realize that there's an emptiness in me and I need to do something about it. It's a value. You talk about it. You wear the t-shirt. You got the coffee mug. All this kind of stuff. But he says there's this gap. And most people never make it past the first three. We end at value. So let's throw up the fourth step. The fourth step is prioritize. So a lot of us have a difficult time moving from value to prioritization. Meaning now it's not just something that I value. Now it's something that, okay, now I'm looking at my life and going, what steps do I need to put in place to actually begin to change? Which would lead to the fifth step. You can throw up the, the fifth step, which is you own it. You own it. So you move to the place of, I not only value this, I'm not only wearing the bracelet, I'm not only wearing the t-shirt, but now like, I'm showing up to the race. I'm prioritizing. I'm rearranging my schedule to, to, to make sure that I do something about this emptiness. And then you move to step five, which is you own it and it becomes who you are. So let me ask, let me explain this for a moment before I, before I tell you what the gap is. Let me explain this in two words, diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. Every single person in this room would agree, I need to be aware of it. You're going to think about it. You're going to value it, but it stops there, <laughs> right? You think about it. I'm aware of it. I value it. And so what do you do? You're at the values. You're at step three. So you go, you know what? I'm going to eat healthy. 
I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw out everything in my house, every Twinkie, every ding dong. Like, it is gone. And so what do you say? On Monday, I'm going to eat nothing but vegetables. So Monday is the day, right? Monday, you're like, I'm, I'm all in it. But then all of a sudden, you got to wake up early, and you know, you're like, man, I didn't get to eat. I didn't get to, I didn't get to juice my kale. <laughs> I'm just passing by Rudox to get some donuts, like I'm starving, right? And so what do you do? I ate the donut tank. Tuesday, like Tuesday will be the day that I diet. And here's what happens. What do you do? You're aware of it. I'm aware I need to make some changes. You think about it. You value it. But there's a gap. There's a gap. I can't prioritize it. Why is that? Let me, let me give you two other words. Reading scripture and prayer. So hit a little bit more home. Reading scripture and prayer. So, so you have all the best intentions in the world, right? Like your intentions, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus, you say, you know what, I just want to I, I work on my relationship with Jesus. I want to have a closer, more intimate relationship with Jesus. I want to get to this place where him and I, like I can hear his voice clearly. So what do you do? Okay, Monday, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn on worship music. And then all of a sudden you sit down on the couch and ding, text message. Distracted. Boom. So you start answering the text message. Oh, and then all of a sudden your mind goes to, if you're, if you're a woman, you're like, oh, oh, shoot, I didn't create that shopping list. I got to create, write down all the ingredients for that meal. And then all of a sudden, oh, I need to answer that email. And then all of a sudden, oh, I, need, I didn't comment on so-and-so's birthday. And if I don't comment on so-and-so's birthday, I think I'm a horrible friend. So I need to write happy birthday, even though I don't really want to write them happy birthday. Maybe that's just my thing. I don't know. And all of a sudden, like, all these things start piling up, and then before you know it, it's 9 o'clock, and you've got to rush off to work, and you never got that time of prayer. So what do we do? We're aware of it. We ponder it. We value it. So what is the gap between prioritization and owning it? Let's throw up the next slide. It's distraction. The gap is distraction. So what ends up happening? We're aware of it, we ponder it, we value it, and before we can ever move to prioritization, we're distracted. Before we can ever, because what, what, like I said earlier, the diet and the exercise, you're, okay, Monday is the day, and what happens? You drive by McDonald's, or you drive, oh, that's nice, <laughs> squirrel, <laughs> right? <laughs> the donut, the cheeseburger, whatever it may be, all of a sudden there is distraction, So what do you do? Oh, well, Labor Day. Okay, not uh, Memorial Day. Christmas, New Year, whatever it is. And we make all these declarations because we get so distracted. Man, we value it. We hold it up as if somebody, like you would not argue if somebody says, man, diet and exercise is something that is healthy for you. You'd be like, 100%, I agree with you. And they're like, all right, let's rearrange your schedule to prioritization. And you're like, no. <laughs> distraction. Distraction happens. It's taking hold of us. And here's the truth. We will always find a reason why we shouldn't. 
There is always something that is going to distract us. And here is the problem with distraction. It gets in the way of the kind of people that we really want to be. Distraction robs us from living out the values that we say are important to us. So all of us, man, we have these values. The problem is we're not living them out because we're distracted. So, so here's, let's take this even closer to home. I value church, church family, and community. But you have so many things on your schedule that distract you that don't, really, that don't really need to be there. So all of a sudden, the things that you say value move down here. And the things that are distracting you move up here. And before you know it, you're busy with all kinds of things that don't really matter. And you can't really focus on the things that do. See, distraction gets in the way of the kind of people that we don't want or that we want to be. I'm going to make a point this morning, and it's the only point that I'm going to make. I don't have like three points or anything, but if, if you remember anything that I say this morning, remember this. When you don't watch where you're going, you will end up where you don't want to be. Where you don't watch where you're going, you will end up where you don't want to be. This is basic driving skills. If you keep your eyes on the road, you're going to reach your destination, Right? If you take your eyes off of the road, what's going to happen? You're probably going to end up in a ditch somewhere. You're going to end up in a place that you don't really want to be. We're so distracted in life that we find ourselves arriving at a destination that we hate. See, distraction, it muddles things up for us. We say, we value, I want to have the best marriage possible. We get distracted and we find ourselves at a destination where we go, how in the world did I get here? We're distracted. Or you say, man, I want to be at the top of my game and I'll work as hard as I can to get to this position in my job or my career or whatever it is. And then you find yourself taking a left turn. And you're like, how in the world did I get here? Distraction. If you don't watch where you're going, you will end up at a place that you don't want to be. See, many of us are not living the life that we want to live. Why? Distraction. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Facebook... Apple, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, all of these companies are working hard, hard to keep that gap filled with distraction. They're working incredibly hard. Like, how many of you guys have ever come to the end of Facebook? Where it's like, you come to the end and the end says, dummy, get outside. You've been on this for like 10 hours. You have a life to live, a family to greet. Tell them hello. You probably haven't shaved in two weeks. Like, go do that. You've never seen that. You've never come to the end of Facebook and it's like, the end. (laughs) You've never come to the end of Instagram. You've never come to the end of YouTube. Like, you just keep scrolling. Why? Because these monies make huge profits off of keeping you busy, off of keeping you distracted. They know that their services are, are, are addicting. So what do they do? They pour all these advertising dollars into keeping you distracted so that you can keep coming back over and over and over and over again. Our culture is actively pulling you deeper and deeper into distraction. And here's the truth. If we don't actively fight against distracting, a distraction, you will end up at a place that you don't want to be. Let me... Let me tell you how this plays out. How many of you guys in here, just show of hands, how many of you guys have a Netflix account? Anybody? Like, everyone. Everyone has Netflix. 
How many of you have ever, like, it's, it's 9 o'clock at night, and you know, okay, I probably need to be in bed, at least, I need to be sleeping by about 10, 10.30, because i got an early day tomorrow. So you lay down, you get all comfortable, you flip on Netflix, and all of a sudden you go, you tell yourself, I'm just going to watch one show. <laughs> one show. Okay, well, the problem with this is, is two things. You say, I'm going to watch one show. Well, every show on Netflix is a cliffhanger. Like every show, it's like, what happened? Did he die or not? And then there's this thing that happens right in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. It says, next show starting in three, two, one. And you're like, well, I'm comfortable. (laughs) I might as well indulge, right? And then before you know it, you're like, oh my God, it's two o'clock in the morning and I've watched six episodes. And I've got to be at work at 6 o'clock. How does this happen? Distraction. See, if you don't watch where you're going, you're going to end up at a place that you don't want to be. If you don't watch where you're going, you're going to end up at a place that you don't want to be. I am absolutely convinced of this. No one, no one will come to the end of their life and say, you know what, I just wish I spent more time with this thing. (laughs) I just wish that I poured more time into Facebook to build my platform so that I could get more likes on my posts. I wish I could have invested more time into YouTube. I I wish nobody's going to come to the end of the life and say that. See, we're going to come to the end of our life and our regret is going to be, man, I was distracted by trying to get more likes on Facebook and I did not spend the time that I wanted to with my family. My kids don't know me like I wanted them to. I was not the man of God or the woman of God that I could be. Those will be our regrets at the end of our life. A regret will be that our FaceTime was not spent with another human being, but it was spent with a screen. See, those will be our regrets. This is another quote from Blaise Pascal. He says, We condemn those who live without thought for the ultimate end of life. Pause there. What is he saying here? He's saying we look at people that feel like they have no purpose and just kind of waste their life. And and you look at them and say, man, you have purpose for your life. What are you doing? Get up and go do something. You can do something with your life. He says, we look at those people and go, man, you need to get it together. He says, who let themselves be guided by their own inclinations and their own pleasures without reflection and without concern. Watch this. As if they could annihilate eternity by turning away their thought from it. Think of only making themselves happy for a moment. (laughs) Man, that's such a profound statement. What is he saying? He's saying we have bought into this idea that we don't have to think about eternity as long as we can just distract ourselves hoping that it will never happen. This is what distraction does. This is what this does. Now, I, I'm not up here today like preaching a sermon against technology, okay? Against the phone, against Facebook, against all those things. I love technology. The problem is, is when it becomes a master of you and you can't control it anymore, you have an issue. When it becomes something that you can't do without, when it becomes something like if you leave your phone at home and you're having like a panic attack, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to comment on so-and-so's post? Like, what am I? 
When it gets to that place, here's what I want you to understand. There is an emptiness in your soul that you're not dealing with. There is something deeper on the inside that you are suppressing and pushing down and distracting yourself from. And listen, if you're part of the older generation where you just say, you know, the phone is not my thing. Look, just because you don't have one of these, don't take the pride on and say, well, I don't deal with the phone, so that's not me. We can distract ourselves with all kinds of different things. It could be TV, it could be technology, heck, it could be hunting, it could be fishing, it could, whatever it may be. What are you going to that is keeping you from dealing with the greater issues of life? It's not just this. It could be anything. See, one day we will stand before God and he will ask, what did you do with the one and only life that I gave you? And you don't want to say, well, I spent most of it distracted by technology. I spent most of it not dealing with the the real issues of life because I was just so distracted. Your life is bigger than diversion and and distraction. See, Scripture actually teaches us that we were made for a purpose. In in Psalms 90, 12, it says this, Teach us to number our days that that we may gain hearts of wisdom. And teach us to number our days. What is he saying there? Teach us to get to a place where we can't afford to be distracted on a daily basis. Teach us to understand that life goes like this. It's so short. And we can't afford just to sit around and just be distracted all the time. Psalms 39, 4 puts it this way. It says, Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. The truth is we don't know how much longer we have. And let me ask you a question is it really worth it burying your face in this? Over and over, if our days are truly numbered, and we don't know how long we have left. I was thinking about it as I was putting this together. I have six kids. My oldest is eight. So that means I've got ten summers left with him if he moves out of the house by the time that he's 18. So what does that mean? That means ten summers left of movie nights with dad. What does that mean? That means 10 summers of our, all of our family being together. 10 more summers of family vacation where, not, where maybe everybody is together. 10 summers. Life goes by like that. How many of you have kids that you look at your oldest and you're like, man, it felt like yesterday I was just holding them in the palm of my hand. Right? It goes by so quickly. And listen, you can't afford to buy into this theology that says, I'll get to it tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. And what distraction does is it says, just keep, just push it off. You have plenty of time. You have plenty of time to move forward. You have plenty of time to deal with that issue. You'll get around to it. But we've become so distracted that we avoid the internal or eternal emptiness inside. So my prayer today is that the Lord, just like Psalm says, he would remind us on a daily basis. God, remind us that our days are numbered. There's another passage in Isaiah, which we're going to camp out here for just a moment. It is so powerful. It says this, Isaiah 29, verse 8. 
This is like a starving man who dreams and thinks that he is eating, but wakes up to find himself empty. Or a thirsty man who dreams and thinks that he is drinking, but wakes up to find himself thirsty and dry. That's technology. That's distraction. How many of you ever had a dream, and maybe I'm the only weird one in here. Have you ever had a dream where like, you've got to go to the bathroom really bad and you're sleeping? And in that dream, as you've got to go to the bathroom like really bad, you keep like running to a toilet to relieve yourself in the dream. But you keep dreaming about going to the bathroom because you can't really... Re- am I the only one that dreams? Am I the only... Nobody's laughing, so apparently I am. <laughs> That's what Isaiah is saying. When you get sucked in to this dark web of the internet, of videos and Facebook and social media and likes and comments and all these things, when you get sucked into that, it's like eating food but not being fulfilled. It's like drinking water but still being thirsty. It's what Blaise Pascal was saying earlier. Man, it's like eating and drinking and nothing in your soul is being satisfied. See, that's what this does. There is nothing in, or, or in this that will ever satisfy the longing that you have inside of you. Verse Peter 4, 7 says this. The end of all things is near. Let me pause there. What is he saying here? Is he saying like, I remember reading this verse a few years ago and you know, reading Peter saying the end of all things is near. And I'm like, well, Peter, it's uh, like you wrote that about 2,000 years ago and I'm still here. <laughs> Like, what does he mean by that? Is he meaning like the world is in it? That's not what he's meaning. If you look up the actual definition of what he's saying, here's what he's saying. The end of your life is drawing near. Like, if you look at it and and how God views life and how quick it is, he says, you don't have long. The end is near. Think about it. Let's just say you live your life out to the fullest that you can. You live to a ripe old age of 85, 90 years old before you die. For some of you, that's 20 years. For some of you, that's 10. For some of you, that's 50. That's not a long time. So what is he saying? He said, the end of all things is near. And then watch what he says. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. What does he mean by be clear-minded and self-controlled? He said, man, you need to get to a place where you can remove distractions. Now, why is he saying that? Why do we need to get to that place? So that you can pray so that you can connect and commune with God. It's super hard to connect with Jesus if you're distracted. It's so hard to hear his voice when you're distracted. It's so hard to sit down and pray when you've got so many things swirling on around you. So what is Peter saying? Man, realize that your days are numbered. Remove distractions so that you can get a clear head, so you can be self-controlled about the things that you allow into your life so that you can pray and connect with God. That's what it's all about in the end. Here's my goal for this series as I wrap this up. My entire goal for this series is that we can just kind of poke a stab, that God will reveal some things that constantly distract us, so that we could get to a place where we can arrive and say, man, God, I may not have everything perfect in my life, but I am at a place where I'm clear-minded, I'm self-controlled, and I'm not distracted. 
I can hear you clearly. I'm not walking around like a zombie. My neck is not growing down this way because I look at my phone so much. I can hear your voice. I'm clear-minded. I can pray. Every single time in my life that I have intentionally removed distractions, I hear God clearly. Every time. Every single time. You see, if you don't watch where you're going, you'll end up where you don't want to be. If you don't watch where you're going, you're going to end up at a place that you don't want to be. And the truth is, right now, some of you have arrived at a destination and you don't like it. You don't like the destination that you're at right now. You don't like where your marriage is at. You don't like where your kids are at. You don't like where your job is at. Maybe you just, you don't like where your soul is at. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing to deal with it? And and here's what I mean sometimes dealing with it is. Sometimes it's turning this off, sitting in a room by yourself with no distractions and allowing yourself to feel pain for a moment. Allowing that emptiness to come, allowing that sadness to come, allowing that depression to come, Whatever it may be, you ponder it, you think about it, you pray over it. And rather than distracting yourself from feeling those things, maybe for the first time, you can authentically feel why you're feeling these emotions. The reason that many of us don't know why we feel the way that we do is because we distract ourselves. As soon as we start to feel the pain, we're like, ah, oh. We look for something to distract us so we don't have to think about it. So I want to, if I could just issue a challenge to you this week. Have a moment every single day. Start with a small goal. (laughs) Some of us are going to walk out of here and like, I am kicking my phone for a month. You, You don't have the power to do it. Most of you don't. I'm just being honest. I love you, but most of us don't. Start small. Man, for five minutes, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to turn off every device. I'm not going to allow anybody to interrupt me. And maybe that's for, maybe if you have kids, like you got to get out of the house to do that. I'm going to go on a walk, whatever it may be. And when you feel those emotions come, like let them come. Let them overwhelm you for a second. Ponder them, think about them. And then surrender them to Jesus. God, I feel this sadness, I feel this depression, I feel this anxiety, I feel this hopelessness. You begin to communicate to God and you begin to tell him and you begin to pray through those issues. And all of a sudden we start moving to a place of resolve, we start moving to a place of relief, we start moving to a place where God can meet us. See, it's hard for God to communicate to us when we're distracted. Oftentimes he is talking to us. We just can't hear him because we're on this. 